Hello and welcome to the Help Me Understand podcast. Help Me Understand is a weekly podcast that explores the context behind the things that we experience from day to day. With topics ranging from personal development to parenting to health and fitness and more, join me, your host, J.K. McLeod, as I share my thoughts and also host conversations that are meant to encourage you to say, help me understand, in an effort to add perspective to the things we experience in everyday life. All right, what is up, folks? Welcome back to another episode of the Help Me Understand podcast. I'm your host, JK, and we are jumping into episode number 66, which is going to be another Friday for episode. If you're thinking to yourself, man, the last episode was episode number 56, so how did we jump ahead 10 spots? I'll just keep it keep it real with you. I was going through um, some of the uh, documents for the show or some of the previous recordings and realized that there were some previous episodes that I had not numbered. So it turns out that we have put out, we being I, have put out 65 episodes here so far. So I decided that it would make me feel a whole lot better about where my progress is if I went ahead and um, included those previously unnumbered episodes as episodes in the bank. So we're just going to go with it. It's my podcast. I can do what I want. So episode number 66, Friday 4 is where I share four topics at random and just kind of riff off of those. So without further delay, let's go ahead and jump on into those. Topic number one is um, a quote that was brought up in a conversation that I was in. And what the presenter in this particular conversation um, or presentation talked about was really valuing your time. And I thought something that was really interesting that he said was looking at your time as an investment. And one of the ways to do that was thinking about really rephrasing it to, instead of asking yourself, how am I spending my time? Asking yourself, how am I investing my time? So just taking that very simple and efficient change of language really kind of opened up a lot of thought for me in the process of thinking about when I'm time blocking my day, when I'm trying to be more present with certain things that I'm doing, whether it be business, personal, or otherwise, just thinking about um, taking that simple phrase of instead of thinking and asking myself, how are you spending your time? Asking, how am I investing my time? And I'm not sure if anyone else can relate to this. I can definitely say that something that I continue to really try to get better at is time management. So how I'm um, utilizing the time that I have. So I think for me, I just wanted to pass that particular uh, little phrase on with thinking about instead of talking about how you are spending your time, I'm going to challenge you. So I took this from someone else. I'm going to share it, share it with you also. Just challenge yourself to ask yourself, how am I investing my time? Because when I think about um, finances, I definitely feel like using the term investment versus things that you're spending. Investment just gives off more of an air of responsibility, more thought, more intention, and more purpose in that particular thing versus just spending 
something from a financial standpoint. So that is uh, bullet point number one, we'll call it in the Friday four is asking yourself, instead of asking yourself, how am I spending my time? Ask yourself, how am I investing my time? All right. Bullet point number two is going to be something that I guess for lack of a better way to put it, I'm going to share it as something that I think tends to be a very common mistake when folks are looking to make improvements in their health, fitness, and or nutrition, some combination of all of those things. And especially when they are starting um, either a new program or um, some sort of a a new regime, whatever it might be, with, uh, let's talk fitness specifically since that's where I focus a lot of my time. And one of the things that I would say I come across that I feel like is typically a common mistake that's made. And let me let me take a minute to identify why, why I'm calling it a common mistake. Why I'm calling it a common mistake is because it's something that regardless of how many times someone has been, um, we've tried to share with somebody, you know, Instead of trying to change a whole lot of different things at once, I want you to try and do this one thing for a certain amount of time. People will still continue to do what they want to do and try to change a whole lot of things at once. And that's actually what I'm talking about is a common mistake is trying to change a whole lot of different things at once. And the reason that I feel like that's a mistake to make is because very, very rarely are you able to not only change a whole lot of things at once, at a quality level, very rarely are you able to actually sustain all of those things. Um, But regardless of that, the reason that um, I specifically don't focus on having people change a lot of things at once. So what we will routinely do is when we're getting started on something, then I will, for instance, if um, I have a new client who has a nutrition coach, so they're going to be working on certain things with their nutrition coach, and then I'm going to be partnering up with them to build a individualized and personalized training program, then I already know that they have a handful of things, um, just maybe one or two things that they're working with their nutrition coach on. And so I will then uh, perhaps implement one, maybe two things that I'm having them do from a training standpoint. And in some cases, we may not change a whole lot of things at once uh, or change much from what they had been doing prior to working with me. So I may even program some things that are very, very similar to what they've already been doing so that I can get an idea of how that particular modality was working or not working for them previously and then slow ease them into it. And um, a major reason why I don't suggest changing a lot of things at once is because it can make it very, very difficult to get an understanding of exactly what's working and what's not working. So let me go ahead and use a, um, a tangible example here. So a tangible example would be I had a new client, <clears throat> excuse me, that started with me not too long ago. And they were someone who had not been strength training for quite some time. So uh, let's say former athlete. And then um, as they got into like their later 
20s and then 30s and now in their early 40s, they had continued to train but then took quite a bit of time off and it was about uh, six months to a year within that range, took quite a bit of time off from specific strength training. So primarily doing mostly um, like boot camp, hit cardio, um, some running, things like that from a training standpoint. So as I'm beginning to work with this particular individual, instead of just going like all out balls to the wall and we are going to build um, this high volume, high intensity training program, what we did was we started with an approach of let's just first start by getting back into the gym two to three days per week. We will do four exercises per training session and let's just start with that and we're going to evaluate that for at least the next four weeks so specifically focusing on getting reacclimated to the gym reacclimated to strength training uh, we have you know we're talking about an individual that was very detrained so had not trained in quite some time with resistance uh, very very familiar with doing more of like the hit cardio type things so we really didn't want to pile a whole lot on at once because that's something that's going to be very difficult to recover from. So knowing that uh, that's the situation the particular individual was in, that's where we started. And to be completely upfront with you, they did not feel like that was going to be enough right from the jump. So they were thinking, you know what, um, I'm all in on doing this thing. So I feel like we should be doing way more than we are. Now, keep in mind, this is someone who's working with a nutrition coach that I'm also in communication with. So I already have an understanding of some of the things that are being worked on with that side of their journey too. So on that side of their journey, they're also implementing a couple of things just to try and do um, build some some foundations. So we're talking things like working on getting more regular with water intake. We're talking about more regularly getting in good protein sources, um, talking about really taking some time to focus on um, how they're how they're feeling energy wise throughout the day. So a couple of things there. So there would be we would not be doing that person any favors by continuing to pile more and more and more things on. And especially not, um, in a way where we're trying to change a whole lot of different things at once. So, uh, that's just one thing that I wanted to pass on as bullet point number two here in the Friday four. if you are someone who's looking to implement some sort of a habit that you would like to be sustainable. If you're somebody who is shooting for a specific goal, target, or result that you want to actually hold on to, then in my opinion, from my perspective, one of the worst things that you can do is try to just throw a whole lot of different things at once because it just makes it, 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 it prolongs the amount of time that it's going to take for you to figure out exactly what's not working. Um, let me use one other kind of analogy with that. If you are cooking a particular meal and you've got a lot of different ingredients and something just doesn't seem, you know, it's something that you normally make. If you are constantly changing up all of the ingredients each week when you make this particular dish, it's going to be really difficult to figure out why one week it didn't quite hit the same, you know, you served it and it was like, huh, this soup just does not hit the way that it usually does. And it turns out you used 15 different types of ingredients. How are you going to be able to tell which ingredient it was that really threw off the taste? 
it's going to be really, really difficult as opposed to, you know what, this particular time around, I used, you know, this particular ingredient that was a little bit different. Ah, okay, got you. So that may have been the thing that kind of threw us off. Conversely, maybe you, um, maybe you use something and the, the soup, I guess we're just going with the soup analogy. It turned out better than it did the previous week. Then you're able to, because you didn't change a whole lot of things. There was just one thing that you changed. You're able to then see, okay, this particular ingredient that was added in conjunction with what was already there, here's how it affected the overall taste. So uh, just to wrap that particular one up, because I, I don't know how I started with training and then ended up with soup, but that's bullet point number two, um, is really one of the most common errors is trying to change a lot of different things at once. If at all possible, let's start with one, two, no more than three things, specifically when it comes to really working on uh, something that you want to be a sustainable result in your health, fitness, and nutrition journey. I don't recommend changing a lot of things at once. Let's stick with one, two, no more than three things at a time and let those things sit for a while so that you can get an understanding of how they kind of ebb and flow through different seasons for you too. All right. We are moving right along. This one's kind of a rapid fire uh, Friday four. So um, actually next topic might take a little bit longer. So let's, uh, let's talk for bullet point number three about a, um, a topic. This one's going to be the NFL again, and it's Deshaun Watson. And I say again, because if you didn't listen to last week's episode, last week I talked about um, Kyler Murray. So uh, talked a little bit about his um, his contract clause with having a, a study clause in his contract. This week, I'm bringing up another NFL quarterback. And this week, I'm talking Deshaun Watson. And I'll certainly tell you, it's, it's not intended that I'm bringing up another sports topic this particular week. These just kind of kind of go with the flow sort of thing, like wherever the spirit moves me, that's what I'm going to talk about. And I have been really, um, I don't know if intrigued is the right word, and I'm not thinking of a better one right now. So I have been very intrigued by this particular case with the Deshaun Watson case. And for those who may not necessarily be very familiar with what's going on there, Deshaun Watson is currently a uh, quarterback for the Cleveland Browns in the NFL. Uh, He was traded uh, yeah, it was a trade because he wasn't a free agent. He was traded from the Cleveland Browns or from the uh, Houston Texans over to the Cleveland Browns. What, uh, where the controversy comes into play here is uh, a lot of accusations came out about uh, sexual misconduct when it came to Deshaun Watson. So over at this point, I believe there were over 20 cases uh, or 20 complaints that were brought against him uh, in court regarding sexual misconduct. And um, if you if you do some just general research via the Google machine, you'll be able to kind of get more of the kind of the inside, uh, some of the inside tips and stories and different things like that about like the whole case. But um, I don't want to talk necessarily about the the accusations themselves. So long story short, uh, there were quite a few cases that were brought against him. 
the authorities have decided not to press any charges at all. So uh, from what I understand, no charges being brought against him with any of the inappropriate sexual misconduct behavior um, that has been alleged. Um, however, the NFL and the NFL Players Association had an independent judge take a look at the case because uh, the NFL decided that they wanted to hand down some sort of punishment uh, to Deshaun Watson. So in the past, what has happened is that the NFL has basically been like judge, jury, and executioner. So Roger Goodell, who's the commissioner of the NFL, uh, has basically uh, had the autonomy to do essentially whatever he wanted to do and hand down whatever uh, punishment he wanted to when it came to the behavior of the players. And when the NFL and the NFL Players Association, so the group that is, that that uh, represents the players, so to speak, when they came up with their most recent collective bargaining agreement, one of the things that they came to an agreement on was that when there were cases similar to this that were dealing with player misconduct, it would no longer be that the NFL was going to be basically the judge, jury, and executioner. Uh, So they wanted that particular, the NFL Players Association for sure lobbied to have that particular rule changed. And so that rule did change. So the way that it rolls now is, um, as the Deshaun Watson case is probably one of the more um, highly publicized cases since the, uh, the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement was signed, the way that it now rolls is that when there is a violation by a player, then both the NFLPA and the NFL, so essentially Roger Goodell, they agree to bring in a independent party. So an independent legal party, they both decide on who that's going to be. And I believe if I read correctly, they both contribute to the compensation of this individual too. So I think that's that's kind of an important thing to look at when it comes to the perceived fairness. And I'll say perceived because you never know. Uh, but the perceived fairness of this particular process is that it's not one side is paying for the judge and the other side is not. Both from what I if remember correctly, they both contribute equally. So the judge then takes a look at the, at the facts of that case. And that judge is basically, uh, they're not handing down a legal, uh, a legal decision. So this is not something that holds up in court. They're, they're essentially um, handling it as if they were like an independent human resources department is the way that I look at it. And they're taking the, um, they're taking the, the evidence and the feedback from the employee side or the employee. Yeah. The employee side. And then they're taking the feedback and the evidence from the employer side. So in this particular case, what I thought was really interesting was that after looking at all of the details of the case, the judge came back with a ruling um, recommending that Deshaun Watson be suspended for six NFL games. So there was a fairly large large outcry um, in the public saying that this wasn't anywhere near enough. And I will definitely say that my first reaction when I heard that it was six games out of a, I think the NFL is now 17 seasons. Um, there's a reason that I don't do a sports podcast here because I'm not great on um, staying really super close to details like that. Um, regardless, it's less than half of the season. So my first reaction was, man, that that just doesn't seem like a lot, especially with a lot of the details that have come out that really, I mean, Innocent until proven guilty 
And also, there's a certain level of consistency in over 20 different allegations. So 20 different women. Uh, there's a certain level of consistency here that, like, where there's smoke, there's fire, um, in my opinion. Again, I'm nobody in this in this whole game here, but uh, something definitely is off here. So I was thinking to myself, six seems, man, that seems really light especially with the amount of evidence that they have of certain things that definitely took place. So what I did was I took the time to read through the actual document, like so the, the document from the judge. And what I found really interesting is that what she essentially did was she she felt like she was compelled to get an understanding of what what the NFL defined as basically like sexual misconduct, player misconduct, things like that. Um, something that I learned is that the NFL basically differentiates between what they call physical or violent sexual misconduct, I believe, and non-physical or non-violent sexual misconduct. And, um, I mean, you can, you can research it yourself to see the things, the different things that were alleged. So that is something that definitely played into it. And what the judge basically did was she, she basically said, in my opinion, hey, listen, I would love to do a whole lot more. I think that this person deserves more of a punishment than six games. However, because of the standards that have been set by the NFL, then I'm basically kind of handcuffed from doing much more than six games. And so as I read more into exactly what she um, found in her investigation, she essentially is putting the NFL on blast here and basically saying, listen, this guy, in my opinion, I have no reason to believe that he is innocent. I have no reason to believe that he did not do the things that these massage therapists are alleging that he did. So for lack of a better way to put it, she feels like he is guilty based on the evidence that was presented to her. So she feels like there is definitely a problem here. What she basically did, which is what, what she was hired to do, was look at what sort of punishment can be applied based on the standards and rules that are currently in place. So what it leads me to is really at some point, I'm asking the question at some point, when are we and I, I guess, because I, I believe I'm kind of complicit in kind of this, this turning a blind eye to what clearly is a problem within I, we'll, we'll talk the NFL for right now, but I believe that this is something within professional sports culture. But again, we'll kind of like streamline this specifically to the NFL. There is clearly a problem within the NFL, and there clearly is a level of hypocrisy for those of us, and I'm calling myself on this too, who continue to support a league that knows that they have an issue, and it it basically seems like they are trying to keep the rules as far as what punishments and things like that are going to be, trying to keep those rules as lax as possible because they know that they have people within their business because that's what the NFL is. It is a business. I understand that people look at it as a game. It, it, look at the finances. Like This is a legit business, a multi-billion dollar business. They know that they have employees who have a problem with respecting women. And that's full stop. 
they know that they have a problem. And I was texting uh, a friend of mine and something that I was talking about was, you know, at this point, I've kind of, I, I feel like, so my perspective on this is that you've got a sport where at that particular level, you're essentially, I mean, let's call like football what it is, right? Like I never played. All right. So I'll throw that out there. At the end of the day, you're asking grown men, large grown men to run into each other and be violent, uh, multiple times a week for a whole lot of money. Okay. And you know, that you have an issue that you have a small, I, I believe it's a small percentage. And this is based just on, just on being average Joe on the street. I think you have a small percentage of people in the NFL who clearly have an issue with not only just disrespecting women, but just disrespecting people in public probably, or just general public. And I don't think that the NFL actually wants to create a policy to go as far as like zero tolerance because they know that it would expose a whole lot of issues that they have if they were to truly start calling to the carpet some of the athletes that they have that they clearly know have a problem. So I think it's kind of one of those things where it's like, well, I know that I've got this really high performer who has like this particular issue. So I'll put rules that are in place so that from the general public, they feel like I'm doing something. But at the end of the day, I just want to make sure that I can still have this person available for, you know, the next half of the season or whatever the case may be. Like one of the things that I thought was pretty crazy is that Deshaun Watson's contract is even written to where, um, I wasn't aware of this. Uh, it's written to a point where there's only, there's a certain amount of money in his, I believe he signed over a $200 million contract. There's only a certain amount of his money that is based on games played. So what happens is when the, when, when a player faces game suspension, the NFL, like in his case, can only suspend it basically when they suspend him he only loses out on his pay for those particular games but if his salary a small portion of his salary is based on the games then there's a pretty good amount of other money that he still gets for example like a roster bonus like some nfl players get paid let's call it like a hundred thousand dollars uh for every week that they're just listed on the roster so it would be like me and you if we worked at a company and we got suspended from work let's say that we make a thousand dollars a week i'm just going to throw out a figure we make a thousand dollars a week 200 of that is if we show up for work 800 of that is if we're just listed as an employee. So if we get suspended and we're out of work for that week, we only lose out on 200 bucks. We still get paid our $800 because we're still by the books, technically an employee. And that is legit the situation that's being faced now, because for as of right now, if the six game suspension stands and the NFL is actually appealing, but if the six game suspension stands, I believe the figure that I read is that he would be facing basically losing about $300,000, which when you have a $200 million contract, $300,000 is, is not much. That's like nothing. It's like a sneeze. So I say all that to say with this third bullet point, just there's, 
there's clearly an issue within the NFL. Deshaun Watson is not the first, and unfortunately, I, I wish I was wrong. I strongly believe he won't be the last NFL player to be accused of sexual assault. And I'm not just trying to pick on the NFL in this particular case. I believe that there's a problem across the board, whether you're talking sports or otherwise. I just think that it is... Like it, it's one thing to say that you are a league that supports women and you have, you know, weeks where there's games that are played to donate to causes that you believe support primarily women like breast cancer awareness and things like that. You come out and you may speak up against domestic violence. It's another thing to actually put policies in place that take a zero tolerance stance on something like this. So uh, this, this Deshaun Watson case, like similar to how I was talking about Kyler Murray last week and how it's a, it's, it's a, it's one case, but there's more to it. Like with the study clause in Kyler Murray's contract being just a small piece piece of really a bigger issue when it comes to how black quarterbacks are perceived in the NFL. I think um, related to that, I think this Deshaun Watson case is a small piece of a very, very large issue going on in the NFL that it doesn't seem that most folks want to actually take seriously. And I would even go as far as to say, as of right now, I personally, me being one person who doesn't doesn't communicate with the majority of the people on earth. So just in my small sphere, I have noticed much more outrage over what players were doing when they didn't come out for the national anthem or they knelt during the national anthem or uh, like protested as it had to do with the flag. I've noticed more outrage from that at that time than I have with the fact that the NFL is still continuing to not take a hard stance uh, on players who are clearly committing crimes against women. And I'm not saying that one is more or less important than the other. At least that's not my intention. So if you've taken it that way, I do understand that. Again, this is called help me understand, not help me agree. So I'm just passing on a perspective that so far from my perspective, the energy is very, very different here. And again, I'm, I'm raising my hand as someone who... Um, is is potentially like part of the issue here because I do still tune into the NFL. Um, my son is a big fan of like certain players in the NFL. Uh, actually, now that I think about it, there's a couple of players on his favorite team that I believe have run into some issues. So at some point, I'm not sure what it's going to take, and, and I'm kind of afraid of what it's going to take for the NFL at some point to take the, the this thing seriously and take a hard line stance with the players association to say listen if you have a player and there is evidence because i do believe there needs to be evidence here if you have a player and we have an independent party who finds evidence that that player is guilty of these things whether they were convicted in a criminal court or not there's going to be a much much more severe punishment than something that's three hundred thousand dollars out of a 200 million dollar contract so all right, that is it for bullet point number three, um, Deshaun Watson, um, his case, and really just the larger issue of the NFL's um, stance on violence and uh, misconduct against women. All right, and the last bullet point for the Friday Four is, uh, again, similar to last week, this was a check yourself moment that I had actually earlier today. So earlier today, I was on the phone with, um, with my bank, 
and I had to talk to someone in customer service and I was trying to get something taken care of on one of my accounts. And when I called in, the, uh, the person who answered the phone started off uh, with a great greeting, you know, hey, how are you? How are things going in your neck of the woods? Like that sort of thing, cordial conversation. And I always try to do my best to be as, um, as engaging and really as calm as possible when it comes to dealing with anybody with customer service, just based on my background and the interactions that I've had, I know what it feels like to be on the other side of that conversation where you're trying to help someone. And it just seems like they're having a really bad day and they've decided you are going to be the the person who they're going to unload all of their unpleasantness on for no particular reason. So I try to go above and beyond with really just not getting super frustrated. Um, if I feel like somebody's not doing their job and I need their help in order to get what I need, then I, I will, you know, I will speak up. I will ask if they can maybe work a little bit differently to try and help me find a solution versus just telling me, no, that can't be done like that sort of a thing regardless. So had a conversation with this person and we were trying to verify some information on account. And at some point, um, they were telling me that a certain number that I had wasn't correct, like a particular passcode. And so they asked me for my mother's maiden name. And I let them know my mother's maiden name. And they said, nope, that's not correct. So I thought, huh, that's kind of weird. Uh, I said, well, let me... So I spelled it out then. Uh, it's a pretty common name, but I spelled it out. And even when I spelled it out, they said, no, that's not correct. Um, unfortunately, we can't help you. And I said, well, no, I, I know that that's right. And that that was the point where the person then responded with, well, now keep in mind that your mother's maiden name is the name she had before she got married. And that instant, that instant right there was like the check yourself moment for just a moment, because my first reaction internally was, you must think that I'm really stupid that you just had to explain to me what my mother's maiden name was because we've already been through this two or three times. I've used the same name each time. And I, in my head, I was thinking, especially based on the tone that the person had, that they were basically telling me that I was stupid because they were trying to define what maiden name means. And um, instead of responding in the same tone that that person had, I responded with, you know what, I, I appreciate the fact that you're trying to clarify that for me. Um, I'm good on that part. I'm just really confused as to why it's not working. I'm very familiar with, uh, with maiden name. And the person came back and said, you know, I apologize. I wasn't trying to have an attitude. It's just a lot of times people are busy and they're doing other things while they're on the phone with me. And they kind of went into this whole explanation. And I just said, you know, we're good, not necessary. We eventually figured out what the issue was. And the issue was actually on his end. So um, he was doing some typing something in incorrectly, even though I had given him the correct information each time. So we finally got that figured out. And at the end of the interaction, um, I just let him know. I said, you know, I just wanted to let you know that uh, I apologize if there was anything in my communication that maybe came across as having an attitude. Um, I was definitely frustrated because I felt like I was giving you the right information. And when you asked me or you clarified for me, quote unquote, that, um, what maiden name means is that if you felt a little bit of tone in my voice, um, I did not intend that. So hopefully that doesn't 
hopefully you won't let that be indicative of the rest of your day. You know, I'm sure you probably deal with some crazy folks over the phone. So I'm, I'm not trying to be like a, a thorn in your side today. And we both, we both kind of laughed it off and it was just, again, very similar to an experience that I shared that I had at a restaurant within the last couple of weeks, just the, the constant reminder of talking about like taking a pause or taking a beat first, um, thinking for just a minute before you respond. Um, it's easy to talk about those things when you're in the heat of the moment, especially if you feel like somebody like in that case, very transparently, I felt like that person was telling me I was dumb and that that is an easy moment to be super quick to anger and then meet that person at the level that they're on or you feel like they're on or that they're coming at you at and then respond with an attitude. And then at that point, it pretty much all goes downhill. Um, it, those are the times where you really, you really get asked, like, as I've said before, are you about this life? Like, are you about trying to change the way that people interact with each other? Um, are you all about just trying to, you can still state your case, you can still stand up for yourself, but just trying to de-escalate de-escalate the conversation. There's no, no reason, no positive reason that it has to turn into a knockdown drag out yelling match or anything like that. So, um, that I just wanted to share that as bullet point number four is just what I'm going to call a check yourself moment, um, with the customer service person over the bank, over the phone, uh, with the bank today. So with that being said, that is actually going to wrap up our Friday for for today. So if you have stuck around this long, I sincerely appreciate it. I never take it for granted that there are so many other different things you could be investing your time with. So I never take it for granted that you took some time to invest, um, invest your mental energy in this podcast. If you could do me a favor, I would sincerely appreciate if you could uh, do one or two or three of these things. One would be if you screenshot and share this episode um, via social media. If you're on Instagram, I'm most accessible on Instagram at Coach JK McLeod, so M-C-L-E-O-D. Uh, if you could also hop on to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star rating if you feel like we're a five-star. Um, and most importantly, leaving a review. I'm really trying to do some very intentional things to grow the podcast, so it would really help me if you left even just a couple of sentences there to let me know uh, how you're processing things from the podcast. And then last but certainly not least, if you do listen on Spotify, Spotify now has a rating system, not reviews that I'm aware of. So if you do um, check that out, check us out on Spotify, if you could just quickly leave a, um, a star rating, preferably five, but you know, I want you to do what you feel. So I would appreciate any and all three of those particular things. With that, thanks again for uh, listening in and I'll see you next week.